From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Film Forward. We are gearing up for our sixth annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival which will be held August 22nd through the 24th at the Let Live Theater in West Hollywood, California. This year, we are honored to be screening the world premiere of a terrific feature film, The Extraordinary Ordinary. And tonight, we are honored to be joined by that film's writer and director, Miss Natalie Rodriguez. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, Natalie. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about the film, The Extraordinary Ordinary. Um, Well, Extraordinary Ordinary... It's a long story. I'm sure we can get into that a little bit later, <laughs> kind of how it was brought to life. Uh, but it's a story about three young adults and their history with mental health and how they cope with old wounds when they resurface. Um, so it deals a lot of like the recovery stage of how one gets through anxiety, grief, or just even going through like a hard time. Um, you know, life throws a lot of, you know, obstacles in the road. So it's definitely kind of how you form these friendships or relationships with people in your life and how you guys get it together. Right. Something I think we can all relate to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For sure. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've, you wrote the script over many, many years. Is I that did. Correct? <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about, which is completely normal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of people may not may not know that yeah. or be surprised to hear that, but a uh, multiple-year writing process is a par for the course. Yeah. Um, talk to us just a little bit from your perspective, though, writing a script or developing a project over years and years. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? How did the project evolve over that time? Um, it was one of those scripts I think like many writers um, can relate to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of those scripts where you write it and you show it to like a teacher and they're like, Oh, this is too dark. Like, don't bring it to class. So I think it was always that kind of comment. I'm always like, was that script I would always come back to. And especially when we started going to film school, I went to Cal State Fullerton. I took all the writing classes and we always had to rewrite like newer scripts. So we couldn't use like scripts that we were already working on until my junior year. I got to take a class where I actually emailed my professor before, and I'm like, hey, I really got to write the script because I think that summer before going to my junior year, I was just like, I have to finish a script. It's bugging me. It's I'm going mad. I just got to, like, get it finished. It was literally like, something I kept going to bed thinking about, waking up thinking about. Um, I mean, kind of like that saying, like, a lot of writers, a lot of writers or, you know, you're a filmmaker yourself. If you can't, you can't stop thinking about it, you're just like, I need to sit down and just, like, get it done in like one city. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think it was just that momentum that I couldn't sleep and I just had to, you know, finish it. Yeah. So that's kind of how it got started. And did the, did the concept or the characters change at all? Cause I mean, over, over time, you know, you change as a yeah. person, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you grow up or you yeah. have a different, uh, world perspective, different life perspective. Oh, definitely. Um, it's, I was writing it like in high school. I was kind of that weirdo. <laughs> I was like always running home to go read. I always mm-hmm. loved like young adult content, stuff that dealt with like teenagers, young adults, because to me, that's such a confusing time. You're going through so much emotion. So yeah. I think that's, yeah, that kind of coming home writing and that's kind of how the script started evolving. And I think from 14 to now I'm 27, it's, you know, so much has changed. <laughs> so 
perspectives on life, um, you know, going through personal business matters. So definitely as I was growing up, so were the characters of the script. And talk us through kind of the timeline a little mm-hmm. bit. You said you, you were able to like actually dive in and get a little bit deeper into uh, yeah. into the script your junior year of college. And pretty soon after you graduated, mm-hmm. you decided to go, yeah. go, go in and actually make a feature film. After graduating college, I kind of like anything new film graduate, I was like working on set. So after I was a production assistant for a few years, I then kind of got more involved on development, working more with like producers, assistants, kind of almost like their associate producers. And that definitely got me more involved with, oh, I should start self-financing films, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially when a former producer boss, I asked, hey, I want to like start directing some of my content. What do you recommend? And he actually said, do you have a credit card? I'm like, no. He's like, get a few of them and you'll thank me later. (laughs) Um, So I actually, I used to think he was um, a little insane for saying that. And then like fast forward two years later, still working with him. I was like, yeah, I kind of hate you because I see your point. (laughs) Um, so I think it was just that, too. Just I think after going to a few networking events, meeting other filmmakers, um, a lot of my coworkers on set or working in production offices uh, were also writer-directors. Mm-hmm. Once you start meeting those kind of individuals, you start kind of encouraging each other, well, what if you just spend money and just make a film? You just uh, got to go for yeah. it. Yeah. That's really the only way to do it. It's it just is. To, it's just to go for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, um, scary as it is, <laughs> it can and, be yeah. horrifying. And, and, and it, I'm sure it was. Talk yeah. a little bit about that, like how. Oh gosh. Just uh, it's a big leap to yeah. to a commit to saying like, okay, cool, I'm making my first feature. Yeah. It's happening now. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, but I'm gonna put all of my chips in. It's a yeah. very brave move. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, I definitely have to think. Um, I mean, I have one of the people I had early on board was uh, Madison Bullock. She plays the leading la- or leading lady in the film, Erica. And uh, the gentleman who plays her father, John Posey. I actually had them on board before production about two and a half years before. Oh, wow. So I think John kind of was that, hey, I like you. I like, I saw your play. I'd like to kind of cold pitch him. And I was like, sorry if I like, you know, you never want to get back to me again. That's fine. <laughs> Um, and I think he just liked the script. It was just something he was in, on board with. I think I caught him. I was at the right timing, but I think he was looking to do a dramatic role. He does a lot of one-man shows, very talented. I definitely recommend seeing his shows. Um, and then Madison, we knew each other through Playhouse West. So I went to a film lab, like took two classes after graduating from Cal State Fullerton. And Madison and I met through actually on Facebook. And that was when kind of was the peak where Facebook was all becoming popular with like literally the film networking right. uh, website. So I think we just had a bunch of mutual friends and we joke about it today because I'm like, I think we just added each other because we had like 300 mutual friends. Like probably know <laughs> each other. And then I saw she was working with uh, – it was some colleagues of mine that I was taking classes with at this film lab. So I saw some of her um, her reels she was posting. I think this one she was starting to, like, promote a lot of projects she was in. And I loved her look. That sounds, like, really creepy. But I was like, I love her look. I'm like, there's something about her that's intriguing. And I just kind of knew instinct. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to work with her. And then two years later, I did a first uh, table read of the script. And I invited her. And she did, a, like, a, a freaking awesome job. And I still auditioned her because I thought, well, let me just get, like, a self-tape and 
that was kind of it. I kind of like hired her after that. It's amazing. Yeah. No, she does have one of those. It's her eyes. Yeah. She has these very expressive eyes where she could say a lot without yeah. saying yeah. much at all. Which I think is so rare to find because that's – especially with – I think with this one we filmed where we were, we stick with her like 90% of the time. Yeah, you're on her um, face. <laughs> you're on her face a lot of the film. Yeah. And a lot of the film you're on her face and she's not saying anything yeah. verbally. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's a credit to you and a credit to her, her I performance. Mean, she, I think she did such a beautiful job. And, I mean, I have to thank her cinematographer, Trevor Roach. She's also Orange County. Um, went to Chapman. So it's one of those where we kind of all ran the same circle. I knew Trevor from, like, a set. We both were, like, production assistants on. Or I actually think he was an AC many years ago. So when we recircled, I'm like, hey, we know each other. So I think that's kind of how the crew – and cast sort of came in a circle. It was I think ironically we kind of all we all worked with each other once, or we all had like the same friends and colleagues, just we had never actually met. Yeah, um, how it kind of works. I feel like in film and TV. Absolutely, yeah. that's how it worked. <laughs> well, and especially when you're making you know a passion project, yeah. you kind of gotta just yeah, you know, keep it in the family yeah. and keep the people that are you know gonna yeah. gonna be looking out for you. Oh, and, for sure. Uh, um, and it sounds like you had a great team. I did. Um, yeah, no, they're both uh, did an amazing job. I mean, everyone did too. I mean, it's one of those, I think now I'm starting to reflect on like set or I think Facebook and even Instagram, they do those memories. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a year ago. That's so cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Time flies. It does. We will be right back, guys. We're going to talk a little bit more with Natalie Rodriguez and her film, The Extraordinary Ordinary, after this break. The 6th Annual Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival has seven amazing blocks to offer over three days. Not sure which one you want to come to the most? No problem. Our VIP badge gets you into all the shows for one low price. Individual tickets and VIP badges are available at LADFF.com. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Film Forward. We're chatting with Natalie Rodriguez, writer-director of the film The Extraordinary Ordinary, which is having its world premiere at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival this year. Natalie, we touched a little bit on uh, you working with your cast, working with your team, and how you and Madison started to collaborate on the piece. But I want to talk a little bit more about how you kind of uh, created this character Mm -hmm. um, together. Because you guys – you had her connected to the piece long before you shot it and – you know, you want to approach the character respectfully and stuff. So how did you guys build this character together? Oh, boy. I think it was – I think just we had so many, like, coffee meetings and just, you know, meetings and meetings. And I think it was just – we would meet up and we would always say there were business meets. But I think we were actually just, like, hanging out and just kind of talking about um, kind of, I think, like, you know, where she was coming from, where she was at, at you know, in her personal life, business life, especially, like, what she was trying to, like – uh, grow because I feel like we're always trying to grow or trying to like try something new, especially film, television. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how we would usually approach like whenever we'd meet up. And I think that sort of it was I shockingly like uh, just like mad just to see like how similar like she kind of was with Erica. A lot of um, I think a lot of like you know the art scene, a lot of that kind of. I think slowly I felt like a lot of the stuff that was written in the script was kind of like happening in like almost like real life. Like mm-hmm. a lot of kind of more the art scene or I think definitely a lot of like the cast and crew can relate to 
um, I think a lot of the feelings that the characters are going through. So I think it was definitely talking to them from like the friend level. And I think that's what sort of got us to feel that level of comfort to start like diving deep, especially since there are like a lot of like heavy scenes and Mm -hmm. that, especially doing a lot of scenes, especially with Madison, because we do stick with her. I mean, a great amount of time of the film or a lot of the time with her. I'm just sitting her down saying, so we're going to film, um, you know, like for these particular moments, this is what I picture Erica would do, but what do you kind of think she would do in a moment of high stress or where she's feeling happy? So I would actually start kind of relying on a little bit of her too, um, just because I feel like actors, they have a better perspective like in the moment. And I actually like if actors are like, well, I don't think they would do that. I think they would do this. Here's why. And I actually love that. <laughs> No, and absolutely. I know yeah. some people don't because they're like, no, this is like in the script. I actually think I we I kind of took the scripts away from most of the cast hands. And I think especially with Madison, I said, like, well, what do you think like Erica would do in this moment? Like, this is what I think. And I just kind of feel we were always on the same page. Like we would think it and then one of us would say it and we're like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or let's try it. If it doesn't look good, let's try something else. Um, so I think it was that's how it kind of us built the character of Erica. It was especially having someone two years in advance, it's, you know, they get to reread the script over and over again. They really get to, like, digest, like, everything of, like, I mean, I think her notes, she had, like, the right side of the column was all, like, notes with Erica. So I saw that, like, once or twice, and I know that definitely, like, started showing, like, just how dedicated she was. And I was just like, yes, I got the right person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's about building that trust also, right? Like all that time you spent where you said, you know, you're just kind of like hanging out. But that hanging out really does help you build a rapport. So that way when you get to set and she's got an idea and, you know, you you can set, she can take the reins. No, and definitely. And I think that's always key. It's I like to do that, um, even though I think sometimes it is difficult to like meet that many times with it, especially I think you're through lead. Prior, like that many times prior to filming, mm-hmm. um, it's rare. But I think because we just had those tears in advance, and I think we had so many roller coasters, um, you know, ups and downs. And then we did a sizzle shoot for the a few months um, before the beach started shooting the feature. So I think that actually helped too, because I was like, well, let's actually get to like work together, and kind of that sizzle is like a slice of life of Erica, um, even though. It, it was none of the pages from the script. It was just like kind of something I wrote on the spot. Um, so that helped too. Just yeah. I think before we had to actually work together for a brief moment before diving about a month into production. Yeah, working on the character. Yeah. That's a great thing. Like when you're making an indie film yeah. or a uh, very low budget yes. film, the, uh, a director's best friend is pre-production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that... Yeah. Your story will, uh, you know, vouch for that because it really helped you guys build that character. Yeah, I, definitely that. Trust and I think just trust in your team. I mean, you definitely learned that, I think, way in advance or the happy accidents. I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. that now, oh, too. Oh, absolutely. You're like, this locations fell through. I mean, we had so many of those horror stories, location fell through the day of, and you're like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? And it's just, I think instead of panicking, it's, I felt like someone was always like, well, what about this area over here? Hey, like actually, like someone forgot something. Hey, I actually have an extra shirt in my car. Right. So I think it's definitely, I think a lot of people on set are, that had the cast and crew, they, they're used to working on so many different sets that they were, I think, also prepared because 
it was kind of one of those talks you had with your crew and cast for starting, like, hey, you know, we're going to be shooting very, like, fast, probably a little ridiculous, but let's all, like, get through this. Let's just power through. Because you guys shot the whole film in, like, 13, yeah. 13 days? 13 days. Nuts. Yeah. Um, don't know how we did that. <laughs> Looking back, <laughs> you never like, know. Yeah, yeah. In, in retrospect, it's always like I don't even know how it happened. It's, but <laughs> it's kind of like a hey. Someone asked me that. I was like, no, I kind of think because we were just like expecting that. I mean, my DP had maybe like four meetings before production, and I think the last one was he was sick, I was sick. I had to get up during the meeting to go like semi throw up because I was getting over a cold. I was like an antibiotic, so we were just like a mess. And we're like, <laughs> so what do we do? And he's like, and I was just like, you know what? We got this. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll be fine. <laughs> like, so I think it was just, I think as we were both physically getting sick, because I think we were, he was filming, like, in Puerto Rico, and he was coming back and forth between, like, um, Lord. here and then California. I was just like, you know what? Go home and sleep. <laughs> just go home and sleep. <laughs> right. You're like, you're of no use to me if you're yeah. dead by the time we get to production. <laughs> no, but, I mean, Trevor did such, he was so, like, dedicated. I was like, he, I think it was funny, because I didn't realize how, I think that's what I realized. Like, you know, I just want people to sleep. I don't want them to, yeah, like kill themselves right. like, over this or end up in the hospital or anything. Totally. Yeah. You've been a mental health advocate. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've spoken openly about mm-hmm. uh, being a panic attack survivor. Yeah. When did you decide to explore mental health uh, in your work? I think I was always doing that, like, but subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I didn't notice that until I – directed like my second short and that was maybe like in 2015 and it was a story I wrote about um, suicide awareness and when I wrote that I actually had posted on Instagram and I that's how I met my first friend who runs a nonprofit group that deals with uh, it's called run for like suicide awareness and I think it was him who actually told me oh you're like advocating more than you think you are and I'm like no, I'm not. Like, I'm not advocating. I'm just, you know, trying to make a film. And I was very, like, I think afraid because I'm like, you know, sorry if I offended you. Like, I hope, like, this is just kind of how I see the awareness part. You know, it's fine if you hate it. But I think he was, his support actually helped because then that kind of, I think, made me just start not being afraid to write about the quote-unquote darker subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think once I started doing, after the first short, that got, like, um, published with the writing company I was doing some freelance work with. And they reposted on Instagram. And I think that's when Instagram was starting to become, like, the business platform for filmmakers and writers. So I kind of would repost whenever someone would post something of the film. And I think that helped because especially the hashtags became a thing. It was, uh, you know, mental health awareness, uh, you know, mental health matters. So I so cliche to say, but I think Instagram kind of helped with a lot of that. Right. Um, and then that kind of led to the next nonprofit group, and most recently that led to um, the Mighty. Uh, one of my dear friends, Rudy, he runs um, what's called No Restraints, and he does interviews with different advocates. And I was really like amazed to see how many like filmmakers he has, or people who are like lawyers, or you know, I think working in like high stress jobs, and you're like, oh, they're like coming forward, and that's. I think it was mental health. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like lawyers, especially. Yeah. I imagine, <laughs> like, the, I think the suicide rate for lawyers is off the charts, which is, is very sad. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's not shocking either because I think just through my buddy's channel, Rudy, I mean, I definitely recommend it. He works with The Mighty, it's mm-hmm. like a month to month like podcast he does. But I think it was starting to see more of those videos, or a lot of like becoming like colleagues now turning to friends who are also advocates. 
I think I was really just amazed to see how common it is. Yeah. Um, and I think social media, that's been like the perk of that is they're showing how quote unquote normal that is and how like, you know, hey, like even you're, you know, someone you look up to like is coming forward saying like I'm having a crap day. So I think it was definitely a lot of seeing that encouraged me to keep going and to write about it. And yeah, um, that's what kind of led to the extraordinary ordinary. It was like, hmm, hey, read this, friends. And started passing around the script to friends. And I think once getting a positive feedback or one of my friends, Sean, he plays um, Ricardo, the bartender in the film. Mm-hmm. He's like, great, when do we film this? So I actually have friends <laughs> that would say, when do we film this? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me do a table read. So <laughs> right. it's kind of, I think when your friends say that, you're like, no, no, you're like, it takes like money to make that. Right, yeah. I was just trying to get your feedback. <laughs> um, so I think that's what helped too. And I I'm sure, I mean, you're you also writing direct too, so I'm sure when you hear that, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I should just like start pursuing the project as if like we're going to film mm-hmm. next month. Right. So, but that was over the course of, you know, five years doing like shorts, learning, um, you know, going through different um, cast and crew, uh, you know, auditions. So I think it was, that was also going on in the meantime, working random day jobs, getting right. <laughs> to survive. Hustling. Yeah. Hustling. <laughs> Hustling. Well, congratulations. Thank you. You finished it. Yeah. And it's great. Thank you. And I hope everybody listening joins us for the world premiere of this film, which is uh, going to be August 23rd at 9.15. Tickets are on sale right now at LADFF.com. We're not done with Natalie. When we come back, she's going to help us out on our favorite segment, Give Me Three. If you like the music in our show, all songs are performed by the band Dub8. Check out their new EP, Ayudame, available on iTunes and Spotify. We're here with Natalie Rodriguez, director of The Extraordinary Ordinary, and she is about to give us three recommendations of films that may have flown under your radar. Natalie, give us your first. Oh. So most recently, I really love the Child's Play remake. Oh! Um, I know a lot of people hated it, but... I didn't watch it. I recommend it. Um, I My significant other wanted to see it, and I was mm-hmm. like, this looks dumb. I was being a little hater. I was like, that's not the original Chucky. It looks right. weird. I loved it. I honestly think that's the way a reboot remake should be done, especially if it's for, like of a classic like character. I mean... I just thought like it made it made sense, um, and I love Aubrey Plaza, so I was a little skeptical. I do I, love me some Aubrey Plaza, but I was so skeptical when I saw her like in the cast lineup. I was like, "Wait, Aubrey Plaza, Child's Play?" I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But after I saw, I'm like, "No, she." It's like hands down, like one of the best parts, like of the movie. But I loved it. It was funny. It was creepy. I honestly think as where's the sounds they give a great motive to why Chucky becomes Chucky. Mm. Um, which I know, I think it didn't come off as like just a regular slasher, yeah, or, or like a gore horror like movie. Actually, made sense. There was actually like a s- nice story there. Which is better, in your opinion, the original Child's Play or oh. this new Child's Play, or which do you prefer? Better is a, um, the, the films are subjective. I just say the original because it's Chucky and it's the original. It's, the I think scarier. Yeah. Um, where this one, the reboot had, it's more creepy. You just kind of felt like, oh, that was really unsettling. Right. 
Um, plus Mark Hamill voicing the new Chucky. I think that, it's genius. That, that was something that I was like, okay, that's <laughs> yeah. interesting. Uh, um, he actually, I didn't even know, recognize his voice until the credits, and they have him singing this creepy like lullaby song. Oh, so. good God. You just sold me right there. Yeah. Um, definitely. I'm like trying not to spoil it, but I, I think it's – I think it wasn't maybe it just the marketing side to me didn't come off as appealing or yeah i think because it's there's so many reboots you're like oh, another reboot but that's what it is yeah. and i well i saw one review that was like this is very fresh i'm like don't like don't say that it's, <laughs> like not, it's not fresh not. because it's a reboot yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of fresh. <laughs> like i'm okay with a good review just don't say that you're like no it's not original but you may have sold me on that mark hamill singing a creepy lullaby you, I, you know what i and even Chucky, yeah, himself. Like yeah. they do it throughout, but it's the like a motif. So, I think it's like the actual first scary movie where things make sense. You're kind of almost like rooting for the villain. Yeah. And then after, I think there's a movie. I was like, oh wait, we're supposed to be booing him. <laughs> and I'm like, but he's so clever. It's like it's almost like the villain's charming. Yeah. So I think that's if the villain's likable, it makes it a fun absolutely watch. Absolutely. Yeah. That Mark Hamill, he's a fantastic voice yeah, actor. He is. Let's get your second. Does that have to be a? It can be older. Oh, okay. uh, we 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 welcome okay. old. We're like no, not old. <laughs> we prefer old actually, cool. or at least I do. So I'm thinking of another film. My second one would have to be Suspiria. Cool. Um, I love the original. The original. Cool. The reboot was good too, but the original. I, I've been thinking about the original a lot because I bought like a sticker for of Suspiria, and it shows like the ballerina dancer, that famous pose, and she's just like bleeding. Yeah. Um, it's one of those films, like, I think it has one of the best cinematography works mm-hmm. ever. And it's just, I know it gets, like, heat because people think it's a little cheesy or they, I think, got a lot of heat because of, like, the dubbing because I think they originally were speaking in French. Right. If I'm not mistaken. But I think it's one or of those films. at least some of the actors were, yeah. I think, yeah. But I think it's just a fun film. It's I mean, go- it's so It's creepy. gorgeous. And it's, cre- yeah, it's, I, I, I love it. I yeah. love the original. I haven't seen the uh the new one yet but i hear it i hear it's pretty good also i actually recommend the new one yeah um i loved call me by your name mm-hmm. so when i heard the director luca was gonna be doing the reboot of suspiria i'm like this is gonna be gorgeous too to look at yes um so i think the reboot's good cool too because it's it kind of plays like a nice tribute to the original right um but yeah i love suspiria it's i I think one of like my top ten now. It's Jessica Harper is one of my yeah. favorite oh, yeah. actresses. Have you seen Phantom of the Paradise? I have not yet. Okay, Phantom of the Paradise is a loose adaptation of Phantom of the Opera. Okay, but it's like rock opera. Nice. Um, and it's got Jessica Harper in it. She, who I don't know if you've ever heard her sing. I haven't. But she's got a. A wonderful voice. Okay. Um, and it's directed by Brian De Palma. It's like one of Brian oh, De Palma's sweet. like first films. It's playing in a couple weeks at the uh, Vista Theater at midnight. Oh, so if you're what? down to go, we should go because yeah. I, it's like it, that's one of my favorite films. And uh, anytime it's playing on a big oh, screen, I try and check it out. Yeah, no, the Vista, I started, I go like occasionally and it's one of those I haven't been in a while. So yeah. I, I definitely could like definitely see that. It sounds like up my alley. Check it out. Check it out. Okay. Give us your third, Miss Natalie. So what did I watch recently? I know this one I think it was such an underrated film. I really loved mid-90s, the Jonah Hill directorial debut. I still have not watched that. <gasps> you should watch it. Yeah. I, it's one of those films where I saw the trailer. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I would just was like, take my money. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I just kind of, I think 
I thought it was going to be a little bit more like in the festival circuit or kind of getting more like Spirit Awards nominations or something. But I think it kind of like came and then went. But I definitely – It was a strong year for indies last yeah. year. So it had it had a lot of tough competition. That or – I know maybe because it's Jonah Hill's first feature film he directed. And right. And it's, it's kind of sad to see how maybe hard that is to even sell Jonah Hill's mm-hmm. like directorial. But I, I absolutely loved it. I think it was uh, – Think different from Jonah Hill is expecting to be like a dark comedy, but it was like a full on drama. Nice. Uh, friendships growing up, um, kind of like the relationship between like the leading uh, male who's like, I think 10, 11, and like his relationship with his mom and uh, older brother. Um, I loved it. It definitely is like, reminded me a lot of like Larry Clark's kids. Okay. Right, so, right, right. Kind of like that new generation wave of like teens and teen angst films, which I'm always game Oh, to yeah. Teen angst <laughs> films are. They're such a guilty pleasure. They're always great. Yeah. They always get you they always get you in the mood for some rowdy stuff. They do. <laughs> well, those are three excellent choices. Yeah. Thank you. I was not gonna check out Child's Play, but you have convinced me to do Should. so. So you have you have won this round, Natalie. Sweet. <laughs> uh and you've won more than this round. Uh you are gonna be having your world premiere at the yeah. Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Come celebrate with us. We're gonna be uh you know, having a little soiree afterwards. Mm-hmm. So join us, join in the fun. Um, and Natalie, we thank you very much yeah. for joining us on Film Forward. Yeah, thank you for having me. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time. <laughs> <laughs>